Hey, how's it going everyone? This is John Abraham with the John Doe No Show. I am here today, it is October 6th, with Jimmy Lou. Say hey, Jimmy Lou. Hey, what's up? Okay, I'm good. It's been a while since I've done this, so I'm uh, relearning all my equipment and figuring it all out and stuff. But I think uh, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, I brought you here because it's October. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk some scary stories. Me and you, uh, we both really like scary stories. And um, we listen to a lot. You're a ghost tour guide. Yep. You're still doing that? Still doing that. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's been a while since you've been here. Yeah, on the it's been show. Uh, almost a year now. I think I was here in November of 2020. Oh, so much has changed. A lot has changed, right? A lot of craziness going on in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. But um, I don't know. This should be good. Let's. Um, uh, anything you want to say to the audience? Um, not really. Uh, other than, you know, I'm kind of doing a lot more than I had been a year ago, which I, I'm proud of myself for that. Um, yeah, so, you got a bunch of shows coming up. Yeah, yeah, I got some shows coming up. So if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram at Jimmy Lou Who, J Y M M I L U. And yeah, it'll be cool. Awesome, awesome. Mm. Okay, I'm going to. Oh, man, I just grabbed my coffee. Okay. So uh, we want to get together. I want to do some uh, scary stories since it's the Halloween seasons. Uh, I mean, we, we, we both want to do a Texas theme, mainly San Antonio, actually. Since uh, we love the scenery and stuff. And there's a lot, of, a lot of history in this town, ain't there? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's like, I mean, even, you know, on my tours, it's an hour and a half. And I, I'm just skimming through mostly everything, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the Alamo by itself, you can go two, three hours on that alone. Just the bad stuff. Yeah. Not even actual history, just the crazy things that have happened there. I know, right? right. It's it's an old city. It's probably like the oldest one in Texas, right? Is that what we're thinking? Uh, one like one of the oldest missions. Uh, yeah, I think so. There might be one or two more that are older than the Alamo. Oh yeah, there's so, some like in. I remember that. Yeah, like there's East like Texas. East Texas. There was yeah. there was a little bit of some out there. Or Goliath or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it has a it has a very old 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 uh history. So it's compared to like especially like compared here to like the West, I, I would say. Right? I don't know, there's not yeah, much yeah. cities are there any more, too many more cities older than San Antonio? Uh I mean I'm sure there's other cities, you know, older than San Antonio, but when it comes to like the West, you know, and that kind of feel uh, uh yeah, San Antonio is like, definitely maybe one of the Santa Fe, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's definitely older cities in our in our country, but nothing like our city here. Yeah, yeah, kind of rules here. Um, and that's what's gonna. Well, I I uh, I brought that up because I thought my the first story I'm gonna talk about takes place around the beginnings of San Antonio. Uh, it has to do with the actual mason, the master mason of the Alamo, who's actually a murderer. Do you know that? Oh, wow. No, I did not know that offhand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, now this goes back to, I believe it's the year 1740s, early, early 1740s, right? Um, so uh, the missions had just been established. People were just settling here in the really early times. And people from Spain were, were starting to come over to, to actually build up these places, uh, the missions that were set up here about... A generation before, maybe twenty years before. That's how recent 
many these places are and how, how neat this is. When a man by the name of Antonio de Toro, he comes from Zacatecas. He's a mason. He's a master mason, right? So he's going to be in charge of building all of the stone structures in the missions. Specifically, the churches is what he specialized in. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And he was a construction. He was contracted to uh, to build the about four of the of the churches at the missions in San Antonio. The and that would be um, Conception, Espada, uh, Jose, Jose, and then uh, the Valero, which is now the Alamo, right? So he was contracted to do all these. He did actually start and finish. Um, Construction, most of construction on conception. Uh, he began in May of 1944. He laid the cornerstones for the Valero and Espada. And later on that year is when uh, construction had to be ceased and it's because he had left. What had happened was this man was convicted of... Um, well, no, no, I guess let's start... <clears throat> Let me start with this. Um... So it, this happened in August of the, of the of the year of the same year that the cornerstone was uh, was set at the Alamo. Um, the magistrate of the Barracks County was called to the house of a of a man named uh, by the name of Flores, right? Last name Flores. And what happened is that another gentleman had come to his home who had been shot in the arm and the side, and he was saying that it was. Um, Anthony de Toro, who had shot him, right? So they went to the house of where he had been shot, and they found the man's wife who had been shot um, there, and they arrested her, and they questioned her where this other man was. Well, it turns out this other man, Anthony de Toro, was actually having an affair with this woman. And a lot of she's, a lot of things were said. No one knows exactly what happened. Some... Um, the dude who was shot says that his wife told the guy to shoot her. Oh my god! Yeah, right. And then there was it was it was a very unhappy marriage between the two. They were always seen fighting and uh, you know arguing in public and stuff. So it wasn't very happy to marriage. She was obviously having an affair. Um, it was pretty open. A lot of people knew about that. With this, uh, <laughs> yeah, <right. Oops. laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He was she was having an affair with this man Anthony De Toro, and um, uh, so. And some even people had claimed that a couple of days before that, she'd been saying that she was going to have her husband killed. So um, a couple of days later, this happens, right? So she gets arrested. She gets taken into the thing. But they cannot find Anthony de Torre. He didn't know he knows where he's at. So um, finally, they hear that he had taken up a sanctuary in the church of the Alamo, right? Where the, the, the place wow. that he's building, yes. Right, so he, he ran and he hit there, and um, the the magistrate goes and approaches the father. He's like, hey, father, we're going to need to go and question this guy. And um, the father's like, well, let me get his confessions and stuff, and let me talk to him first, and in the morning I'll come back and do it, right? So they post guards up all around the Alamo, and uh, four over nine, right? And meanwhile, the, the father goes and he talks to him, and he's like, hey, what happened? This, 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 right? And he's trying to get the story from this guy, Anthony de Toro, and... Um, what he says is that the man, he never, he didn't recognize who he was. He thought he was an Apache, just going crazy, and he was trying to attack him. So, he, you know, in self-defense, he took out his gun, 
and he shot the man, so he didn't know what was going on. Uh, now, there's there is some evidence or reports saying that that might be complete bull, because <laughs> <laughs> because the the gunshots were fired so close that on there's gunpowder fought found on the man's clothes. So, oh wow, yeah, that being the case, like he was at least close enough for them to recognize each other, you know. Yeah. So, um, the man gets, so after the father gets in confession, he goes like, he goes out and he tells the magistrate, yeah, just come back in the morning and you can leave guards here and uh, it'll be all right, right? And then you'll just rest in the morning. So the next morning comes up and he's completely gone. He escaped under the watch of the guards. Nobody knows what happened to him. Uh, they sent out um, carriers to a bunch of towns next to it, to the river, if you want to get back cross back across the real grande right that was the only places he could have gone and he's never heard from or seen again he and disappears he just gets away with murder <laughs> oh my yeah wow. that's the man who built the all the churches you know <laughs> of, of the missions yeah you were naming off some of like the other missions wow so yeah. this guy architect um apparently lover <laughs> <laughs> lover of uh spanish soldiers wives because that's wow. who this other man he shot was he was a he was a spanish soldier <laughs> that is like that is insane i've never heard that story before but like it kind of makes sense at the same time i'm like of course like yeah, yeah. No, san antonio <laughs> man yeah, yeah cheating wives yeah of course yeah. <laughs> scandals <laughs> totally yeah. makes sense um yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting night because, I mean, like, the guy who built the Alamo, like, his hands are dipped in blood. And then, you know, you yeah. have all this history of what comes afterwards, what we know these things are going to be, all the battles that will take place there. Yeah, and that's one thing that um, I feel like people don't realize when they get there, you know, when, when you go down to the Alamo, I, I've said this before, like, you don't think about it like as a battleground initially like a lot of people imagine it's going to be like the john wayne movies you know a bunch of dirty <laughs> stuff everywhere yeah know? yeah like you know hickory trees and stuff but it's just it's like all commercialized there's like you know you still have the ripley's museums across the street some of them closed down now um but i mean there's, there's still the bill hotels and the malls yeah, right next the to mall. yeah, it's, it's like right there there's lego land in, right there yeah. <laughs> in downtown San Antonio. Yeah, but then, so. like, even before the church was even built, there was a, that was a Native American burial ground. And it's like, whoa. What? Yeah, so it's like blood on blood on blood on blood. <laughs> that is crazy. I was, because I was, I was, um, no, these, that, that, I don't think that was even the original location for the Alamo. Because, because they moved these things, like, like yeah. crazy, like, because a mission, I guess, isn't just the, the name of the building. It's, it's the actual, like, organization or the mission i don't know how you're talking about like it's yeah like that's kind of a good way to think about it i mean like i mean there's still modern day missionaries you know in, in most yeah. churches i, I want to say so i mean it was just like that like they came from spain to the, like to what would be you know, the new world and then like yeah that was their whole thing was like we're gonna convert <laughs> we're gonna convert you and yeah. then like low-key make you our slaves <laughs> yeah all right so yeah. And I know, um, I know something like, and it is because we've gone and we've seen these, these missions mm -hmm. and you always find out that there's, it's, it's tradition to put the cemetery like right in front of yeah. the church. Like right like, out in the front, the front Like right when you walk in, the first thing you see or walk out is the first thing you see is like your dead families. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
oh, this is where grandma's buried, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was right there, right, right as you walk out. I think the whole idea is just to, like, keep him close to God. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. I guess some people even, and there's even people buried in those, some of these things. Right, like in actual walls, their their yeah, blood yeah. and guts we use as mortar, or so, do we know? That? <laughs> <laughs> I use their blood and guts as mortar. No, um, I don't know if it's like that, but for sure, uh, there's bodies. I know. Is it like catacombs? Thing, no, or? no. People always ask me that too. Like, is, are there catacombs? Like, you know, like the Paris ones. Like, yeah. No, like we got sewers. <laughs> we got sewers. Probably a few bodies down there, but no, you know the. I know the first bishop of San Fernando is buried in the under the main aisle of that church. Whoa. Of San Fernando. So he's like walk over him. Yeah, oh. a lot of people don't realize they're walking over him every day. Like, <laughs> just tourists, they're just like, Yeah. That was quite recently, too, right? That was like in the 30s, 1930s? Um, I'm not sure. No, you might be, well, I don't think it's, I think it's before that, but okay. um, I think you might be thinking of the, well, they're not bones, but... The bones of Davy Crockett. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the bones were placed in the cathedral. Yeah. So yeah, not. I don't think there's actual bones in there. Maybe it may be shards of bones. Maybe I mean, but over time, those things have probably deteriorated too. Who knows? It's been like three hundred years now, but or two hundred years or something. Yeah. But yeah, like basically, one year after the Battle of the Alamo, uh, Juan Seguin tried to do his best to give the fallen men their own like ceremony like a memorial service yeah. kind of thing because i mean nobody was given a christian burial like santana just kind of mm. did whatever with their bodies he mostly just disposed of them like throwing them in the river throwing them in huge holes and most yeah. of them got burned like right in front of the alamo and so yeah, yeah so 1837 once he comes back to san antonio he goes to the funeral pyres gathers up some ashes and bones and things that are like in the ashes <laughs> like buttons and stuff I'm, yeah it's crazy that's yeah and then he like put them in a wooden box buried them under the sanctuary <laughs> of the church box. Yeah. yeah just like a little wooden box <laughs> just a little shoe box it's my friends it's my friends <laughs> he puts them in the sanctuary of San Fernando and it's just forgotten about for like a oh, hundred years man. and then they do uh, they start doing a uh, what's the word, like, renovations or restoration, something like that on the church in the yeah. 1930s. And uh, they dug up the box, and at first they were like, what is this, you know? But then it was kind of like, I don't know if it was etched on there or what, but, like, somebody remembered, like, oh, like, this is actually That's the crazy, heroes yeah. of the Alamo. So. <laughs> now they're in a marble box. At the like, who the put this here? <laughs> who put um. their hamster here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, oh, my God, it's David Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is, that is, that's crazy when you think about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, man. Oh, another thing I did want to talk about that was that, um, now, uh, now, after, after these buildings, because, um, Anthony de Toro, mm -hmm. he, uh, since he left, right, these, none of these buildings were ever really finished construction to his designs, right? So they're, they're all kind of. I think Conception was the only one that was the closest that was finished to his designs, right? Um, and then the people that they got to fix it afterwards, I guess, couldn't do it. They didn't have the skill sets that this guy had. So the missions, the missions are, they look like 
somebody what somebody would think a church should look like, yes. not actually how they're supposed to look yes, like. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and they were built very poorly. They got all the things wrong, like um, the espada, the espada arches, the espada door frame was built completely pieces all wrong, and it's completely different from his original design. You can actually see like. Oh, like misplaced Legos or something. <laughs> wow. uh, so um, there's that, right? And then um, the since the Alamo or since the yeah the actual Alamo Church never it it never really got fully constructed. It was supposed to be a real church, right? Like right. two towers and a dome. Um, and I guess they were constructed so poorly wrong that that it collapsed like ten years later. And the the official message was it was because of the stupidity of the builders. Is why it collapsed. That is what. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the church said. Yeah, That's what the church said. That's what the, the father said. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we're building a church, but it doesn't happen. All right, freaking builders, man, they messed up. <laughs> they follow codes, you know. And, and so that's what happened. Wow. Yeah. I never thought about that because, like, I know it wasn't finished. Like, it wasn't truly finished the way it was supposed to be. I knew that. Yeah. Like the shape it has now, it, it didn't look like that during the no, time of the no, Alamo. No, like no. it didn't have a roof. It was for supposed the longest to, time. Yeah. They were all supposed to look like conception. Wow. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> wow. Um even the uh oh, even the uh the the, the oh man, I forget what's called. Fernando. Mm -hmm. when in, uh San Fernando was built, it was supposed to look like closer to what it looks now, you know, mm -hmm. in that same design. But um interesting. Because he was, I don't think he was in charge of that one, but uh, he did, he, he was running a crew there or something like that. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. yeah. But he just died to murder. Just gotta, just wanna do adultery and murder, so. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> yeah. Adultery and murder. Mm. Sometimes that happens, you know? Yeah. San Antonio, what are you gonna do? All right, what, what, what story you got? What story are you working on? Yeah, you know, speaking of adultery and murder, I figured I'd go on one of, like, the longest-standing cold cases in our city. Um, this was a murder that happened back um, in the 1960s. This is a, the story of uh, Room 636 at the Gunter Hotel. Oh. Yeah, so that's always, like, I love talking about that one. I mean, we talk about it on my tour and stuff, but... I've done a lot of my own kind of personal research and stuff, trying to kind of piece things together. It, I mean, it's a cold case, so I haven't solved it shockingly. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different angles to it. All right. Yeah. So this take place. I want to say, um, oh crap, I can't remember the exact day, but I know it was early February of uh, nineteen sixty four, nineteen sixty five, and. Um, there's this guy that walks into the Gunter Hotel. He seems like a pretty normal guy, like handsome young guy, he's got light colored hair, um, really good looking guy, checks into room 636 under the name Albert Knox. And initially, like hotel staff think like, oh, like, you know, whatever, he's just a normal whatever kind of guy. If anything, you know, by this point, our red light district was like long abolished, but he was seen coming in and out of the hotel with different women late at night. So, you know, who knows what he was up to in there. He kept his uh, Do Not Disturb sign on the door all yeah. week. So, one day he comes back with this tall blonde woman. He's seen going around town with this tall blonde lady. Like, they're going out to eat. You know, they're on the river, whatever. Doing that kind of thing. They're back at uh, the hotel. They're seen coming in with, like, cheese and crackers and wine and stuff like that. 
So, you know, it's, it seems like, you know, things are going really well. It's a typical, you know, night down the town. Well, yeah. a few days go by and nobody's seen the blonde lady, like, leave the hotel. Like, they saw her come in, but they never saw her leave. So, uh, nobody thinks much about it, especially because, like I said, he kept the do not disturb sign on the door. Um, the housemaids would pa- pass by his door really often, um, you know, just out of respect. But there was this one housemaid. She um she had seen that it hadn't been cleaned, like in the log, like she had the log book and was like, Okay, this room needs to be checked out. Like and mm. <laughs> probably just forgot about it. Like I'm sure the guy like checked out already. So she lets herself into the room and she opens the door, sees this guy standing at the foot of the bed, covered in blood, like there's what? blood soaked into the bed, there's blood splattered against the walls, like they're just staring at each other. He doesn't say anything to her. He just, like, puts a finger up to his lips and shushes her. And so she screams. She freaks the fuck out. Oh, yeah. And there's different, like, again, this is where the story kind of gets a little, like, hazy. Because there's different things people say, like, that she stood there, screamed. And he just kind of, like, shoved her out of the way and walked past her. Others say she screamed and ran. And then by the time anybody came back up to the room, of course, he was gone. Um, either way, by the time the police got there, because it took it took a while for the police to get there, um, not because they were inefficient or anything, but again, different versions of the story say that it took forty minutes before SAPD was even called to the Gunter Hotel. Wow! And one version says it's because like the housemate was uh, Mexican, Mexican American, whatever, only speaking Spanish, and so it took a while to kind of translate what she was saying. Others say that she was in hysterics um, or in shock and just couldn't speak and wasn't able to say what she had to say until, like, much later. Or others say that maybe the manager of the hotel at the time was uh, hiring illegal immigrants and was just trying to, like, cover all of his own bases before calling the police. (laughs) You know, like, all right, nobody call the cops. Like, we're going to make sure we all have our stories straight. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But SAPD finally arrives. They get into the room. And they find more blood in oh, the bathroom. Man. Yeah, they find these little footprints. Little bloody footprints. For some reason, they're little Like baby footprints? footprints or I don't think they're baby footprints. It's like a tiny, small person. But yeah, small feet. Like, who knows? Maybe he had small feet? I don't know. But yeah, little footprints on the bathroom floor. They found a ring of blood in the tub and in the toilet. Like, as if they were full of blood. And yeah. then drained, whatever. Flushed down. Um, and then they found, you know, some other things just implicating that there had been a woman in that room, um, like long, loose blonde hairs. They found some napkins and cigarette wow. butts and glass, like glasses to drink out of with lipstick all over each of these items. So they're like, it looks like a woman has been butchered in this room. Yeah. The cops, you know, they bring in cadaver dogs. Like they're like, we're not fucking around. Like we're going to find this guy or this lady like what he did to her and um they couldn't they couldn't locate him they couldn't locate her the dogs um they could only help so much because it had been drizzling that day february is kind of a rainy season for us in san antonio so it was drizzling the dogs could only lead the police like to the window of the room and at the time um the gunter did have a uh, fire escape on the side of the building It's, it's not there anymore um, but there was a fire escape, so their their theory is, like, he, like, escaped out the window unless he really did shove past the maid and then maybe went down the elevator and the stairs, who knows? Yeah. But, 
But either way, he wasn't there. Um, and they looked everywhere for this body. Like, I mean, because there was so much blood. There was so much blood. I think one of the, de- the detectives, he was quoted as saying, like, he had never seen that much blood, like, like before mm. or since then. Like, that was one of the wow. worst things that he had ever witnessed firsthand. And um, well, they also found, like, um, in his items, they found, like, some clothes or shoes or something that had some green paint that matched like some construction sites that they had downtown but they put in some new sidewalks and stuff so they were digging up sidewalks they were like looking looking for bodies looking for bodies yeah they were trying to figure out like you know did he throw her into a hole or something because our downtown it's always under construction yeah yeah (laughs) since forever it's just it's never gonna end but they never found her they looked in the river you know dumpsters they they never found her so the search goes on for several days. The police are still trying to piece together what's going on. Um, Albert Knox had left behind a suitcase, and the suitcase had a receipt inside from the San Antonio Luggage Company, which is like a few blocks away from the Gunter. So they go over there, they match the receipt to a check that was used, and the name on the check... Um, I don't remember the name. I think it was like John McCarty, if I'm not mistaken. And so they're like, the police are like, well, who's this guy? So they go to the McCarty's home. They figure out John McCarty is this guy's stepfather, but his stepson's name is Walter Emmerich. So he checks in a hotel with a fake name. He steals his stepfather's checkbook after going on a drunken rampage at home. He had still lived at home with his parents, with his mom and his stepdad. But one day he got super drunk, just went on a rage, whatever, stole their checkbook, went out on the town, was just, like, spending all their checks. Like, yeah, just writing hot checks here and there and, like, staying in hotels. And they don't know what this guy's, like, deal is or whatever. So they are no closer to finding him at this point. They just kind of know his actual identity. Meanwhile, Walter Emmerich goes to the St. Anthony Hotel. This is like three, four days later after the whole like crazy bloodbath at the Gunter. They go to the St. Anthony and at the St. Anthony, uh, or Walter Emmerich goes to the St. Anthony and he tries checking in under a different other name, like somebody like Roger Ashley. He's trying to check in a room 636. He's like very uh-huh. adamant about getting this room. And that room's already occupied, so the hotel staff are like, sorry, you know, we can give you the keys to room 536 instead. And he starts acting super bizarre, throwing a huge fit. He really wanted that room. But reluctantly, he accepted the keys to room 536. So, but still, like, him being all weird like that, the hotel staff called SAPD, like, we think the guy you're looking for, he's here now. And so SAPD rushes down to St. Anthony, they get the pass key. They go to the hotel room door, and again, different accounts say that the Walter Emmerich could hear the police talking right outside the door. Others say that he could hear the keys jingling on the handle. Um, others say that they knocked. <laughs> yeah. um, regardless, either way, before they got the door open, they heard the sound, the cops heard the sound of a single hollow gunshot. Walter Emmerich had ended up taking his life before Whoa. being questioned, was dying on the bed as they're, like, going into the room. Literally, one of the detectives is, like, shaking him, trying to, like, get him, like, to say the name, like, tell us who yeah. is she, like, what did you do to her? 
and he was just like gurgling on the bed and died and it was just like whoa uh. like yeah and so i mean they found their guy but they never got any of the answers they never figured out who that lady was what he did to her where her body went there was even like a bit of a speculation of maybe he had minced her up flushed her down the tub drain at the gunter um because he was trying to buy a meat grinder a huge meat grinder at the sears yeah so but they didn't have them in stock mm, yeah so oh man (laughs) well okay so so he never did that's crazy yeah nobody figured out um, and again, it's still a cold it's, case. It's still, so it's never been solved? It's never been solved. As, as none, none of the, we still don't know who the we victim was? We still don't know who it is. So, other, like, things to note about this story. Um, I found, again, like, not really solid, solid research, but I keep finding this thing pop up online where apparently the Gunter, because the Gunter's been around since, like, the 1890s. Like, it's always been the Gunter Hotel for over 100 years. And, but in the 1980s, they were taken over by Sheraton. So it's the Sheraton country now. Yeah. And this murder happened in the 1960s. About 10, 15 years ago, the Gunter Hotel got a package in the mail addressed to room 636. And it, or no, no, no. It wasn't addressed to room 636. It was addressed to the Gunter, but the zip code was from the 1960s because they don't have that same zip code anymore. Oh, okay. And in the envelope was the key to room 636. And the thing about that is that room technically does not exist anymore in the Gunter Hotel. Oh. So if you go to the Gunter Hotel today, 2022, um, there is a room 636 on the sixth floor, but that is not the original murder room. It's across the hallway from where the original murder room was. If you go on any of the other floors and you look on that hallway, like you'll see a pattern of like door, 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 door. But on the sixth floor, on that main hallway, you'll see like a big gap. It'll be like door, 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 huge gap, door, another <laughs> gap, door, door. And it's like, why? Well, if you look closely on the wall under the wallpaper, you can still see the outline of the original doorway. Because, yeah, apparently... Uh-huh. Sheraton, they were sick of people like coming in and out trying to like what get the mean? ghost to come mm-hmm. out and stuff. Like they're reenacting fights and like doing seances and crazy shit like that. So <laughs> they're like, we're just going to split the murder room into two. There's even a local theory of like the murder room is sealed away. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I have not been inside of those rooms. Been, like, but I have been in the hallway. It, so no ghost <laughs> I don't know if they put spells on it, but I mean, they probably should. <laughs> That's crazy. So, so they just like like got rid of that room. They just it's like six thirty four, six thirty six, or six thirty. Yeah, it's something like six thirty seven. I think it's in between like six eighteen and six twenty or six twenty and six. Oh, because they changed the numbers all they around too. They changed the numbers all around too. Oh yeah, so no one's getting in there. No one's doing what's up. Yeah. So yeah, and it's the same thing at the at the St. Anthony because it was there recently looking for room 536 and they didn't have it where it was supposed to be and that's where the guy blew. and that's where that's he where killed, killed himself, himself. Okay. so yeah same right there or now were these do you know if like these places were known for like I don't know like sex work stuff or no because like, um, I mean aren't they like fancy hotels I thought they they're were, like, pretty fancy hotels so offhand they probably were I mean just because I mean, they're hotels, they're downtown, so probably... We had a huge red light district from 
the 1870s up until the 1940s. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, there's a good chance that, you know, definitely some shady shit went down there, um, especially pertaining to sex work. But, I mean, even if not sex work, I mean, the St. Anthony, definitely haunted um, by other <laughs> ghosts. Um, that one, that one's a little, like, more, like, it could be campfire stories just because in my research, I have not found any real solid evidence to some of these alleged ghosts that live there. Yeah. Um, but the Gunter, the Gunter is super, super haunted. Um, I don't want, like, I don't have, like, a long, long story, but I do want to mention one more cool thing about the Gunter, because the Gunter is super cool. Um, they have this bar called Bar 414 there, and, um... It's really neat, and it's named after uh, the fourth, like, the room on the fourth floor, the room 414. Because back in 1936, there was a Delta blues musician who stayed in that room and recorded a blues album, which, you know, seems like whatever, like, who cares? This guy was Robert Johnson, and he had sold his soul to the devil to become one of the best blues musicians of all time, so... Was he he, he really good then, or...? Yeah, like, apparently, like, he kind of... I don't know if it was that he sucked, per se, at first. <laughs> it could be, like, he was so innovative that people just didn't understand his style, you know? So oh, they okay. just assumed he couldn't play. But the story goes, he sucked really bad. And then one day... <laughs> yeah, one day he was, like, walking down the road and, like, came to a crossroads. And this tall, dark stranger, like, approached him and was like, Hey, like, like give me your guitar. Took his guitar, tuned it for him, and handed it back to him. And then right after that... Robert Johnson could suddenly just like shred. Wow. Yeah, so um, a lot of people say that that was the devil. Um, yeah. Others say it could have just been some person that knew how to tune a guitar. You know, <laughs> so Whoa. who really that's knows? Awesome. But I mean, there's still, that's another like area of the hotel where people like will frequently book that room with you. Yeah, I think like, I've. Contacting yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want to say that I've seen, like, a poster of him. Didn't they have, like, a poster of him there or something? Yeah, like they, yeah they have some posters. Cut out, where he's like, oh, this is where... Robert Johnson memorabilia. Yeah. yeah, no, people, like, book that room just to record music or, you know, whatever, just kind of hoping they get a little bit of that. That's where I'm recording my stand-up album at. Room 414, the cut Room 414, yep. Yeah, it's going to do all my Halloween jokes there. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be killer night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll knock him dead. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. All, but all these hotels are haunted, right? Downtown, they're all. That's another thing about how old this city is, I guess. Is just so much stuff is happening. <laughs> okay, we're back. Uh, yeah, we're just thinking. I was thinking I'm gonna tell a different story instead because um, I don't know. Like, there's so many different versions of the Leona. And I think, I was always think, and it's really popular down here in San Antonio, mm-hmm. or in not just San Antonio, but South Texas. They say it's because of the, all the rivers down here, that there's always someone, you know, getting drowned. There's always some lady out there, you know, drowning her kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, it goes all over the place. Some people say it was a real grand. Some people say it was the Medina River where that happened. Oh, wow. But, yeah, there's no real, uh, there's like, there's no real, like, paperwork or documentation that we can, like, find the source. I can't, at least. Mm-hmm. So, um... I want to do another story. So, <clears throat> I want to talk about the, uh, it's, it's not so much murdery, but I think it's just like, it's really gory and, and, and kind of like, just worst case scenario things that could have gone down, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I'm talking about the Council House fight of 1840 in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. 
And it is is a uh, it's one of the bloodiest well uh, town meetings ever for one, um, but also uh, one of, one of the bloodiest uh, battles that happened. I guess the battles, right? Massacre in San Antonio. Yeah, one of the blood it has to be the bloodiest massacre in San Antonio, right? Like I mean, yeah. over something, a bunch of people died on both sides. So uh, this 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 started because in the late eighteen thirties, um, I guess right after Texas gained its independence from Mexico, now a uh, war with the Comanche started with Texas. I mean, there's always been war with the uh, Native American populations and the settlers. Um, that's one of the reasons why people were brought to Texas was to kind of, you know, build a buffer and hold these people, hold these Native Americans off. Then that ends up whole leading to the, um, you know, Mexican, uh, Texas independence, you know, from their people. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, the, the, the main fighting really started toward around 830. 1838, and um, a bunch of raids were going on. Comanches were going around and kidnapping people and, you know, burning down settlements all over the place. But uh, it had gone to a point where I guess it was time for peace talks. Uh, Both sides had agreed to meet in San Antonio. One of the terms was that um, the Comanche would come into town and they would bring uh, all the prisoners in which they had had. Um, and what that ended up happening is that they, they all went to the, all the men of the tribes and a bunch of the men of the, the city went into the council house and only one prisoner was brought. I believe her name was Matilda Lockhart, right? And Matilda Lockhart had been in captivity for about two years now and had been grossly deformed by the women of the Comanche tribe. Every morning they wake her up and they burn a piece of her nose off with a red piece of coal. And <clears throat> so there was only like, she just had a no like two holes on her face instead of a nose. Um, a lot of the town people were horrified by this, so they didn't like it. So right, right away going into, in, into the peace talks, like the, the, the captain of the, of the Texas people were like, well, what's going on here, man? Where's, where's the rest of the, of of the prisoners we had this was supposed to be an exchange right like you're supposed to relieve prisoners to us and <clears throat> y'all you only bring one little girl's face is deformed <laughs> it's like what's up guys <laughs> um so uh the 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 chiefs come and they say hey well we only could give you the prisoners that we have you know the comanche that we, we we're not like a whole unified uh a group like every band is in, only in control of their specific like people that they are in control of. They can't go off and tell any other people, "Hey, you got to give up all your all your uh, <clears throat> slaves or all your uh, captured prisoners." Right? It's just, it's just it wasn't a thing to, to command you to do that. Uh, so, uh, but this this upsets them, right? So peace talks are going pretty uh, pretty horrible to begin with as it as it goes. And um, so finally, the uh, the Texas the Texas uh, commander's like, okay, well, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna you're gonna keep we're gonna keep some of y'all here, and then one of y'all is gonna go out there and um, go tell the other Comanches to give us the prisoners because that was the deal for peace. You know, we have to have the prisoners back. But um, 
Let me see. But then the chief, the one guy in charge, he tells him, like, no, you're not going to do that. You know, we're not going to stay here. We're not your hostages. We're not going to, you know, mm-hmm. just do what you say, right? And then um, the translator, this is a, the translator at the time was a Mex who could speak Comanche in, in English, was a Mexican uh, half-native kind of uh, dude. Okay. And, yeah, and he was like, and this whole time, like, the reports of him, he's like, this is just getting worse and worse and worse as it goes on. He, he could kind of feel like there's something in the air, right, that nothing's going to go on, right? So finally, like, when um, <clears throat> when the captain tells him, uh, or when the com- chief tells the commander, no, we're not going to stay here, we're not going to do that, uh, the translator translate those words, right? And his exact words were something like, um, no, no, we're not going to stay. How do you like that answer? <laughs> as soon as he says that, as soon as he translates these words to the captain, he steps out. He walks away. He's like, okay, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm done with this. Right? And then uh, the, the, the chief tries to kind of follow him and leave, right? And then another soldier stops the chief from from uh, leaving. So then knives and all these melee weapons, hatchets get pulled out and swords and everyone starts fighting and it turns into a big old brawl. Um, yeah, a bunch of people were killed and almost all the, I believe all the Native Americans in that building, it was 12 chiefs, um, were killed. Uh, multiple uh, Texas, Texas, uh, <clears throat> Uh, soldiers were killed. Um, everyone got injured. No, no one left there unscathed. Everybody had a scut, a cut, a shot, an arrow. Something happened. Um, even the 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 people who had been left in, outside even got involved in some of the the attacks, shooting arrows, and um, it became into a whole uh, brawl. I mean, like it was the whole town got involved almost. Um, people were able to escape Indians were able to like get out and they were running like from house to house pretty much trying to fight their way out of town none of them escaped none of the the Native American chiefs escaped um but yeah so they were they were they were all hunted down within the town and it was like a it was it was it was just a massacre everyone there everyone all the Native Americans there um died uh the the chief died but then the uh the families of them were were taken prisoners so, um, yeah, they were held. And it were, when word got back to other Comanches, chiefs, that what had happened at this Great House file, uh, the Great Council fight, um, an all-out war then began, right? So then, like, dozens of raiding parties just happened within the next day. Within 24 hours, like, places were getting lit up. You know, it was all-out war again. So Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it, it lasted years, years after this. So yeah. it was just, like, just terrible. <laughs> yeah, so... That's crazy, because, I mean, I do know that story, um, not in great detail, I just know, like, the basics of it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that just, it's crazy, that happened, like, here, in San Antonio, that, like, right in the main plaza, right, right in front of the church. Right yeah, in right in front of the church, church, right? And there's a lot of reasons, like, some people say it was, it was, it might have been the captain was the, was very inexperienced, he hadn't had much, he hadn't been there long, mm-hmm. so, like, just negotiating with... He was trying to put his foot down kind of thing and, like, act all tough in front of his soldiers. So, he, like, he was very, like, another more experienced captain might have been a little bit more, like, okay, we'll do this and work yeah, with them. Yeah. Some people blamed it. It was the, uh, the, that this, they're saying that um, the translator might have just been translating things wrong on purpose because um, he <laughs> might have been, like, a Mexican spy. 
been instigating. Yes, because wow. <laughs> um, at this time, this was this was right post um, the uh, the Battle of Independence of Texas, right? So mm-hmm. um, there was like, and there had already been like plenty of instances where Mexicans were like paying Comanche and instigating them to do raids on on Texans. Uh, lands and stuff, right? So some people saying that guy might have been like a Mexican agent, just you know, just riling it up. Yeah, and trying to start chaos and stuff. <clears throat> I mean, it really did. It started chaos because uh, I did read somewhere that the only reason why we did not expand further west much more rapidly was because of that incident. Because of that incident was the reason why, like, you, like kind of like yeah. you just said, like all the native people just went and buck wild, like yeah. and all the stuff. Yeah, was just like no, like. Okay, we've been nice to y'all for too long. Like, like, let's show you what we got. Like, actually. Yep, yep, and um, yeah, it became. I believe they started outlawing Comanches being in the town after this. Like, um, they're they some most Native Americans actually. Um, they they had been uh, welcome just to do trade and stuff, but now I'm like, no, you can't even come in to town. So, <clears throat> yeah, it was like it was like smash on site kind of thing with Native Americans. <laughs> they were brutal though yeah i mean like both sides both sides were brutal oh yeah no no one is yeah yeah that's, like, no one that's is a clean hard slater. thing to, to think about too because i mean like and it like you and i we do our own kind of like amateur historian kind of thing where we read articles and whatnot and like i mean we the stories that we hear where it's like you know like the the some native people like capture you know a woman and their her children and the baby won't stop crying and yeah, sort so of like bash, her. bash the baby against the tree yeah, just to yeah. get it to shut up like whoa it was absolutely hard horrible times man like yeah the people that passed were terrible man like shoot <laughs> it was a harder world way way harder world than it is now yeah so i mean oh man yeah, I know. I thought this one was weird. I thought this was an interesting story just because it's true, for one. And it's like, it's like everything goes bad. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, this could have been like, this was the worst case scenario that could have happened, and it did. Like, yeah, so. That's always sad. Yep. And then now, the what's located there now is, uh, it's right in front of the plaza, right? So it's probably a... Uh, it's that Catholic bookstore or, or a man in building? So it, it, yeah, it used, it? To be, it used to be the bookstore for uh, San Fernando Cathedral. It used to be like their little gift shop. Um, I mean, and it's right there. It's on the, cor- on the corner of um, Dolorosa slash Market Street. Because, yeah, for some reason, Market Street, if you go straight enough, it'll turn into Dolorosa for no reason. And then it's on, the, on that corner of Dolorosa Market and Main Plaza. But now it's a, yeah, it's an empty, abandoned building. I don't know why they haven't done anything with it, um, but the church still does. They have their own bookstore now. It's just right mm-hmm. next to the church now. Yeah. But, yeah, that little building, it's empty. And, I mean, but there's plaques on it saying, you know, what happened there. And it's it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's a spooky place, especially at night when, when you look into the windows, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, and it's right off the river, too. It's like, yeah, it's right above the river. Like, you know, great location, but it's like, you know, you kind of have to wonder why nobody's taking advantage of it yet. <laughs> so, bad juju. Yeah, It's all the bad juju. Got time for one more story? Yeah, yeah, you got one? Yeah, I got one. Um... Probably personally my favorite story to talk about of all time, which is 
uh, the story of Clemente Apolinar. And um, basically, this takes place here in San Antonio, um, mostly, but uh, it also involves the old Bear County Jail. And yeah. I'm not talking about the one that, like, just that just recently got demolished. I'm talking about, like, the old oh, yeah. Bear County Jail. So this is off of Cabaron Street. And um, what's there now is a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, making use of, like, good places. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Just capitalism wins all the yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> like, so, like, exactly. For some reason, the bookstore can fail, but we can have a Holiday Inn Express at the jail, and that's fine. <laughs> no, but, so, we we'll talk a little more about the old Holiday, or the old Bear County Jail, Holiday Inn Express now. Um, that building was put up in the 1870s. And it was only, like, two stories. It was real small. You know, it was a jail. And, um, but, like I mentioned before, we had a huge red light district. So, we had this crazy rise in population, rise in crime. Um, the little two-story jail was not going to cut it. So, San Antonio, in the 1910s, add three upper levels to the little jail. But they also decide to install gallows into the third floor. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was, like, built in a way that anybody hung from the third floor would fly down a hatch, end up on the second floor, and would dangle above the prisoners surrounding them, like, witnessing this. And, um, I mean, of course, back then, you know, you didn't have, like, AC. Like, air conditioning was not a common thing here until the 1920s. Like, and even then, it was not common. Like, it was just becoming a thing. So, it would have had, like, open windows. I mean, with bars, but open windows. So, like, eventually over time, our city kind of, like, would do this thing where whenever a prisoner was going to get hung, like, any other place, like, yeah. people would gather around, make it a whole, like, event. It was a spectacle, whatever. And, um, that jail, Old Bear County Jail, is the location of the final hanging in San Antonio. Wow. Um, and it was the final hanging because it was the most brutal hanging. <laughs> it was just so terrible. Um, and it was the hanging of Clemente Polinar. So before we get into, like, his horrible sentence, it's you know, we should go back to, like, what happened. Like, how did yeah. he get there? So Clemente Polinar... Um, by the 1920s, um, 1921, uh, he was already like 30 years old. So I guess he was born in the 1890s, living in San Antonio. And again, like you got to think about like, you know, there's no cars. There's not like electricity was barely being a thing. Like, you know, cars were barely being invented, that kind of thing. Aviation was not quite a thing yet. So, I mean, super old school way of living. And back then, of course, people did not understand anybody that was not like them, you know, people that were different. Um, I have a, I have a personal belief that Clemente Polinar was very mentally ill, um, or he had like mental health issues or something. Um, yeah. he just, he needed help. He needed a support system and he didn't have that. Um, but what he did have was, um, the mental institution, um, which is a whole other thing. We have a really horrible mental institution here in San Antonio. It did a lot of, like a lot of horrible things happened down there. Anyway, he had already been in there twice um, over the course of a decade. Um, both times he ended up escaping, but wow. again, yeah, back then people didn't really care. Like, you know, oh, he got away. He like, who cares? Whatever. <laughs> so Clemente was just like living life. And then one day, so it's 1921, and I believe it's like September of 1921. 
Lemon is walking from San Antonio to Floresville, which it would be a 12-hour walk in the Texas yeah, heat. Yeah. So he is, like, boiling, right? And on his way back from Floresville to San Antonio, um, he decides he's going to take a break at Salado Creek. And uh, normally Salado Creek was, like, crystal clear, beautiful water. But on this day, Clement, they came up to the creek and noticed it was all churned up and muddy and gross. He couldn't drink the water. And he was pissed about it. And in his, like, weird way of thinking, his demented way of thinking, he thought, somebody's doing this to me on purpose. Somebody knows that I'm out here. They want me to die. I don't know who that is, but I'm going to go find out. Like, I'm going to go find him. And so he starts walking along the creek. And he sees these two boys in the water. And this is another one of those things where nobody knows exactly what happened. Some people say the boys were playing in the water or swimming in the water. Some people say they were just taking a break from herding their cattle. Because these boys, they were only 12 and 14 years old. Um, Their names were Kirby and Theodore Bernhardt. And um, others say the boys saw Clemente. And just knowing him as like... A local idiot savant or whatever like he start they start throwing rocks at him like just kind of like teasing him being mean as kids will be who knows what exactly happened either way Clemente decides it's these boys fault that the water is disgusting oh. and so he starts chasing them and um luckily uh 12 year old Kirby he got away uh, 14 year old Theodore however was caught by the arm by Clemente Clemente picks up the biggest rock he can starts bashing it over Teddy's skull cracks his head wide open oh. yeah and that's not all <laughs> he then decides to like basically pull out his knife and start just cutting his face open cutting around the back of his head trying to like open up his head Scooping out his brain, gouging out his eyes. He starts, like, picking up rocks and dirt from the ground and stuffing them into his head. Like, his empty head. Like, it was disgusting, right? And, like I said, Kirby got away. Um, He did look back, seen his older brother get caught and attacked, figured he couldn't help. He just kept running. And the first person Kirby found was a man named Mr. Johnson. And he tried telling Mr. Johnson, like, you know, there's this crazy Mexican attacking my brother, (laughs) like, whatever. And, like, Mr. Johnson was a black guy, but, like, he was like, you know, like, calm down. Like, I can try to help you because he didn't understand the severity of it. Like, he thought, like, oh, this kid's just being, like, a crazy guy. Like, you know, he's hysterical. And so he's like, all right, like, I'll go help you. Kirby leads Mr. Johnson down to Salado Creek where they see Clemente sitting next to Theodore's bloody body, sitting in a pool of blood, there's brain matter splattered all around, and Clemente's sitting there whistling and laughing and hooting <laughs> and hollering, and he's just having a good old time about this horrific murder he just committed. Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, seeing that, Mr. Johnson's like, you're right, Kirby, I don't think I can help. Let's go back into town and get some reinforcements. They come back to San Antonio, they gather up a mob, whatever, you know, some authorities. They all run down to Salado Creek. They only find Theodore's body, no Clemente. Of course, Clemente had left the scene. Um, But one of the authorities was, like, kind of, like, making his own notes, like, trying to figure out what happened. And he made a note that one of Theodore's eyeballs was missing from the scene. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so flash forward, about 12 hours later, Clemente shows back up in Floresville in the morning, so it's morning time. And he's walking around in the streets, just like 
whatever, la la la, he's covered in blood, and so people are like, oh my god, like, first, at first they're like, are you okay, but then they realize it's not his blood, and he's just like, yeah, like, you know, they thought they could kill me, I killed him, like, he even had Theodore's eyeball in his shirt pocket, would pull it out to show it off to people on the street, and would say, isn't it cute, like, the eye of a dog? And it's just like, oh, oh man, like, Whoa. yeah, it was sick. So, yeah, as you can imagine, you can't do that and get away with it. The law gets involved. They yeah. bring Clemente <laughs> back to San Antonio to Bear County Jail. He waited two years before he was punished. And the reason for the delay was mostly because the the Spanish, the Hispanic community did try to, like, gather behind him saying, like, oh, well, he didn't know any better. Like, he couldn't help himself. He's been needing help for a long time. But the fact that he had already been institutionalized, like, yeah. people kind of, like, took that as, like, well, he totally got help, sort of, and it clearly didn't work. So, you know. He's got to go. Yeah, he's going to have to go. And then another thing that didn't really help, um, when Clemente was on trial, um, he made a statement, something along the lines of, like, I could have caught the other little boy, I would have killed him too. <laughs> so, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, Clemente. so okay. the jury, it was, there was all white jury versus Clemente. So, yeah, you can't just say that. Like, it yeah. didn't help. Um, so, he was led up to the third floor, and the executioner was not experienced. He was not experienced. Oh. Yeah, and they asked him, like, do you want to wear the hood over your head before you put the noose around your neck? And Clemente was like, nah, like, I'm good, basically. Like, I don't know. There's there's more to it than that. But, yeah, basically he says, like, I don't want the hood on my head. They put the noose around his neck. They open the trap door. He starts flying down the hatch. But his body weight, well, because he was a big dude. This dude was, like, six foot. Even though he was Mexican, he was a big guy, big Mexican dude. And he, the rope ended up partially decapitating him. Oh. Yeah, it, like, ripped through his esophagus. Like, blood starts squirting out eight feet into the crowd. And the jail was packed, like, packed. Like, people were outside the bars, like, like looking into the windows, climbing up into trees, trying to see (laughs) into the building. So when this happens, like, I mean, the crowd starts going wild. I mean, like, absolutely horrific. I mean, because he's, like, like you know, strangling and, like, you know, dancing in the air above them, splattering blood eight feet into the crowd around them. People start trying to, like, push and run out of the building, like, freaking out about this. Um, I mean, and again, it was just, like, one of the most traumatic things that a lot of people had ever witnessed. Because, like, most of the hangings were just real simple. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. oh, you're breaking it. Like, and, you know. Snap and choke. Yeah, just, yeah. And this yeah, one, blood's going everywhere. Yeah, this one was brutal. It was so, so bad. So, so bad. Um, I mean, yeah, it just, it's just a, no wonder why that building's haunted. Um <laughs> I mean, because he's still buried here in our town, too. He's the one in San Fernando Cemetery. He's like, um, surprisingly, yeah, he was buried in the Catholic Cemetery. I know. And, you know, it's kind of funny. um, I don't remember the exact details, like, who the mayor was at the time. But the mayor at the time um, had words to say to Clemente. um, You know, basically, like, you know, like, how dare you do this horrible thing? Like, I hope you are punished like you know for all of eternity basically yeah and then ironically clemente ended up being buried like a few plots down away from the mayor's mother oh, <laughs> oh man yeah and like 
a lot of people like went out to his like grave and like gave him flowers and things and like basically like saying like we're sorry we failed you as a society which is like crazy to think because I mean I feel bad for the Bernhardts like yeah you know, right. like they lost their boy kid. and in such a horrible way and like who knows like I'm not saying like he like the kid did not deserve any of that like no like, even if it was being an asshole like that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying like, like even if he was that's that's a little bit too like, far. So, yeah, apparently the jail is wow. still uh, super haunted. The Holiday Express, <laughs> Holiday Express, if you want to go have a good time. People say they hear, like, moaning and chains. People die. No, getting choked out. Yeah, I mean, not sexy sounds. Oh. It's as sexy as it sounds. Murdery, uh, murdery, murdery sounds. Murdery sounds. Murdery whips and chains. I mean, what? Because, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, it was, it was a prison, right? Or it was a jail, so. And they, they, they would have to... That's crazy. They would have uh, murders there. More murder, uh, hangings there. More murders. <laughs> yeah, because um, cause you just think that'd be at a state facility. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, again, times were different. We were we were hanging people as punishment, I mean, well before that. I mean, in the 1860s, they were hanging people in Military Plaza, which is where City Hall is. City Hall. Oh, yeah, right, right, right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, City Hall super haunted for that reason. Like, people <coughs> were hung there. Like, criminals were hung like right lot, there. Yeah. Like, we were taking, yeah, I remember, we're, well, which place is it? has the, the Governor's Palace, right? That has a tree mm-hmm. of sorrows. Yep. Now, this tree, it's uh, it's my favorite because um, how it looks. Um, it It's, what is it? Credited with having like like a hundred deaths on it or hundred like no not that many well so allegedly only about thirty five criminals were ever hung from that tree mm-hmm. but people have always speculated it's probably a lot more that have been like you know lost yeah, in history right. and time um, because like for one local lore has it because the 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 tree is not marked off in a special way the tree of sorrows still stands behind the Spanish governor's palace. And it doesn't have, like, a plaque or anything on it. Mm-hmm. But it is the one weird, gnarly-looking tree in the courtyard. The only, like, nasty-looking one that has, like, a bunch of gross knots all over it. <laughs> and right in front of the women's restroom in the courtyard. <laughs> um, and so local legend has it that all those knots represent the souls taken by the tree. Yes. Yeah, and I do have a picture of that tree on my phone. I'll show you... Um, Later, sorry, people hearing the podcast, you won't be able to see it. Yeah. But you can definitely see like all it the looks knots. like a face. There's yeah. a face looking at, <laughs> like through the tree. It looks like the yeah. grandmother tree from Pocahontas, like but scary. And uh, yeah, if you look really closely on the big branches of the tree, especially in the daylight, you can see the grooves in the wood from all the rope you saying the people. That's there. crazy. That's so crazy. I want to. Oh man, you know my. But you can rent well, it out as a venue if you want to have a wedding there. What? <laughs> yeah. I want to, I like, just chop off a branch and make a weird cigar box out of one of Yes. <laughs> my, my, my cigar box of souls. And it look like the Necromonicon yeah. or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put a face on it, right? Uh, I don't know. I think that would be cool. Well, Jimmy, that's a... Uh, that was pretty fun, all right? That was cool. Some fun little stories, short horror stories we shared for the month. So we should probably do this again. 
Yeah, for sure. Morning. I'm really excited. Uh, Halloween's I, coming up. I know that uh, you are going to be doing your podcast again, so Ooh. I can't wait till we have some actual guests on. Yeah, here. that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Well, uh, we'll get some people on the phone. We'll uh, we'll make some calls, set some dates, and uh, going forward. But it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. I like it. You have everything coming up? You wanna promo? Um, I mean, I guess I could do quick little yeah. Here. Quick little plug, because um, I did say at the beginning, follow me on Instagram at Jimmy Who. That's always the best place to see all of my most recent flyers and things. But I do have three shows coming up, one one at the corner on the 19th of October. I have one at the Exchange on Tuesday the 25th, and that's in Corpus Christi, Texas. And then my final Halloween show will be on 1029 at Wetmore City Limits. Awesome. Okay. All right, Mel. Thank you very much, Emily. Appreciate it.